You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. Every week at the end of the show, we give out the phone number 206-201-2720, and we invite you to call in not just with questions, but also with comments and feedback. And we welcome your comments and feedback. You can also leave comments at savagelovecast.com where there's a comment thread on every single show. So when you got to get off your chest, you can do it there. But some people do email me directly rather than calling or leaving a comment on the show uh, at the website. And I'm going to share one. I usually don't share the emails, but I read them. I read them all and I take your comments seriously. But I just wanted to share this one. Dear Dan, I can't say how much I enjoy your sex advice. Listening to your podcast with my wife has been a game changer. You are awesome at sex advice. But I don't give a fat flying fuck about what you think about politics or abortion. If you wish to keep giving great sex advice to people who identify as to the left of Dan Savage, and that's most of us because you are one lefty bastard, shut up and give sex advice. Bill. So let me just say to Bill and everyone out there who agrees with Bill, and there are people out there who agree with Bill because I have heard this shit before, it's going to be a long 18 months for you people. Because we're heading into a presidential election and I am going to talk about abortion and politics and shit, particularly where it intersects with my portfolio, sex, sex and relationships and gender and reproductive freedom and marriage. All these things are politicized in our country. I will leave politics alone and politicians alone just as soon as they start leaving sex alone. But politicians don't leave sex alone. And it would be negligence on my part if I didn't address politics when politicians are all out there addressing sex. So you have an option. If you don't want to listen to me rant and rave a little bit about politics, skip the top of the show for the next 18 months. Not every show at the top for the next 18 months is going to be about politics, but you know the percentage that are about politics tends to spike the closer we get to a national election. So, Bill, thank you very much for the compliments about my awesome sex advice. I am glad. It, it gratifies me actually greatly that listening to me and listening to the show and listening to my listeners and their feedback too, that all of this together has improved things with your wife, been a game changer that fills me with pride. But I am not going to shut up about politics. So anyway, here's my moment of politics before we get to the questions and calls. Hillary Clinton jumped in the race this weekend. Marco Rubio jumped in the race today. Rand Paul jumped into the race last week. He was the second clown into the car, to the clown car that is going to be a GOP nomination and GOP debates. And he was presented to us. He himself presented himself to us, his launch video, as a different kind of Republican. Rand Paul, he's a different kind of Republican. He has all sorts of new ideas. New ideas, unlike all those other Republicans, Rand Paul's new ideas like opposing same-sex marriage, backing the Life Begins a Conception Act, which would make abortion illegal even in cases of rape, incest, or to save the life of the mother, keeping marijuana illegal, all those big new ideas. Rand Paul also has a big new idea about climate change. It is not happening. That's Rand Paul's idea. And he opposes efforts to regulate carbon emissions. Rand Paul wants to increase defense spending by $190 billion unlike every other Republican, actually like every other Republican, he opposes Obama's nukes deal with Iran. He fully backs Citizens United, the decision that has allowed unregulated and unlimited 
campaign contributions to flow into our political system and distort it. Rand Paul also supports the Supreme Court decision that gutted the Voting Rights Act. He opposes all gun control measures. That's a new idea for a Republican. And he's pledged to repeal Obamacare. Doesn't seem like a new idea to me, but there it is. And he wants to use drones to police our borders with Mexico and increase the number of deportations, which have hit an all-time high under Barack Obama, much to Barack Obama's discredit. So Rand Paul, he's not like all those other Republicans who want to do all of the exact same things Rand Paul wants to do. It's going to be a long 18 months and we are going to talk about it on this show. Before we get to your calls, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to all the Magnum subscribers who are re-upping this week. We so appreciate your support for the show. If you are not yet a Magnum subscriber, go to www.savagelovecast.com and for five bucks, you can subscribe for one month to sample the awesomeness of being a Magnum subscriber to see what it's all about. And that five bucks gives you access to every Magnum edition of the show. You can binge listen for a whole month to every Magnum episode. Everything that you've missed, you can hear, you can wallow in sex advice for a whole month and then decide if you want to subscribe permanently. There are options around subscribing. You can up every month for five bucks. You can just pay five bucks a month, but that's 60 bucks for the whole year. Why do that when a six-month subscription is 20 bucks and a one-year subscription is 36 bucks? And we spend all of that money on food and shelter and clothing for the tech-savvy at-risk youth and new underwear for my husband, Terry. All right. Once again, thank you to all you Magnum subscribers. And thank you to everyone who listens to the show, Magnum subscriber or not. Your call's after this. The Savage Lovecast is sponsored by Smart Mouth Activated Mouthwash. Smart Mouth blocks bad breath for 12 hours. Get Smart Mouth at your local drugstore and keep your breath fresh. Today's Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Me Undies, high quality, super comfortable, good looking undies. Get 20% off your first order when you go to meundies.com slash savage. The Savage Lovecast is sponsored by NatureBox. NatureBox ships great tasting, wholesome snacks right to your door. Forget the vending machine and start snacking smarter with wholesome, delicious treats like praline pumpkin seeds. Support the Lovecast by ordering a free NatureBox sampler box at naturebox.com slash savage. Yes, free snacks. Free NatureBox snacks at naturebox.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I'm 28, straight female. My dad has been fucking a married woman for the last, I'd say, nine years. And I confronted him about it eight years ago. And he told me they broke up. But I was recently visiting him in the Northwest. And he tried to hide photos of her, but it was obvious that they were photos of her. And I also found some receipts from Benbridge for like diamond earrings and stuff like that. And so I want to confront him about it, but it's his life. And, you know, maybe she and her husband have some kind of arrangement, but I guess it's what's most annoying is that he denies having a girlfriend and he keeps talking about how he needs a girlfriend and you know stuff like that and how he's so lonely and I want to say like well maybe you could have a real girlfriend if you weren't fucking a married woman but I don't want to cause any trouble I guess I'd love to hear your opinion I've taken calls like yours in the past this this question before people who are freaking out because mom or dad is having an affair or mom and dad is 
doing something with mom or dad's genitals that the kid doesn't quite approve of. And usually I blow up. Have you heard me give an answer to a question like yours in the past listening to the show? I have. <laughs> so, so you know where I'm going to go with this, which is what's wrong with you, right? Well, yeah. I know. It's not my business because it's my dad's dick. Ding, 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 ding. It's not your business. It's your dad's dick. He can do what he wants with it. Stop digging through his receipts. Stop policing him. And, you know, this whole thing he's doing where he, you know, denies having a girlfriend and, you know, pisses and moans about the fact that he'd really like one and he's lonely. What do you think the odds that that's just a show for you? Because he knows you disapprove of the relationship that he's in and you – have shamed him about it in the past. So when you come to town, he makes a big effort to pretend he doesn't have a girlfriend to throw you off the scent. I don't know. It's just kind of pathetic, I guess. I wish that he could just have a grown-up conversation with me about it, you know? Okay. Can you have a grown-up conversation with him about it, though, without shaming him about this? You know, how old, how old is your dad? He is... He'll be 50. He'll be 55. Yeah. Okay. And how old is the woman that he's been having an affair with for nine years? This is a long-term relationship at this point. It is a long-term relationship, which is why I think we should talk about it. Why do you need to talk with him about it? What's not working about it for your dad except your disapproval? I don't know. I guess when I initially expressed disapproval, I was 20 years old and... You know, it's been quite a while since then, and it would be nice just to know. And okay. I want to support it, you know? Okay, so what you need to say to your dad is, tw- you know, when I was 20, I had kind of a thoughtless, sex-negative, presumptuous reaction. And all I want to ask you now, Dad, is are you happy? Because if you're happy, I'm happy. Okay. And if he says, I'm happy, that- let him be happy. And this may be not the ideal relationship for him. He may have wanted something more, want more intimacy, want more time with her. But maybe this is all he can have with her and this is what he wants. He wants her more than he wants the full girlfriend experience and this is the price of admission he's willing to pay. And you, what do you know about her? Um, well, I know she's married and I know she has two young children. Okay. And I know her name. Okay. Let's, That's about it. <laughs> let's, not, let's not blurt it out. Um, <laughs> no, I will not. And I know what she looks like. You know, I've seen the pictures at his house. There are people who, for all sorts of good reasons, do not want to end the marriage that they're in. That may, you know, maybe she loves her husband very much. Maybe they're really good parents and partners together. And she doesn't want to rip apart the home that her children are growing up in. And she's doing what she needs to do to stay married and stay sane, which means getting sex elsewhere and maybe it squeaks you out to know that, that she's getting sex elsewhere and that means fucking your dad and no one likes to think about their parents being sexually active but you know contingencies and compromises and you know working around less than ideal situations to preserve the greater good is part of grown-up adult life and sometimes people have to make accommodations in their grown-up adult lives that can seem if you're just you know looking at everything as black or white can seem unethical or dirty or shameful. But if what your dad is doing with and for this woman has allowed her to stay married to someone that she loves and to be a better parent to her two children, doesn't your dad deserve some small credit for that? Yeah. And maybe this arrangement 
is in the best interest of all concerned? Maybe the presumption you you know the assumption could you know benefit your dad that he's not doing something terrible that he's actually doing something admirable. He's making this sacrifice for the woman that he loves that allows her to be the parent that she wants to be and still have emotional and sexual fulfillment and her family too. Yeah, it's not ideal, but there are ideals and then there's adult lived reality. And it's easy when you're 20 or 29 to look at that adult lived reality and think people shouldn't do that and people should, you know, hew to certain standards of ethics and morality and, you know, the right thing to do would be for this woman to divorce her husband, traumatize her children and be with my dad. But maybe the harm of doing the right thing, divorcing her husband, traumatizing her children to be with your dad, outweighs the harm being done perhaps even to your dad by, by this being sort of a complicated, non-ideal arrangement for all concerned on some level. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm okay with the arrangement. I just want my dad to be open about it. Then you should apologize That's... to your dad. Okay. For what you did when you were 20. We always talk about parents, you know, attempting to control their children's sex lives or shaming their children's sexual choices. The reverse can also be true and traumatic for the parent when they're judged by their children and shamed by their children for their adult choices. And you did that to him when you were 20. He's gone out of his way since to cover this up, perhaps to protect you from the information or to, you know, not feel like he's losing your esteem or your regard or your affections. So he covers this all up, which then feels silly because you know about it. And the cover up is almost worse than the crime at this point from how you're talking about it. Right. It's the like putting the pictures away and hiding the receipts. Why are you going through your dad's receipts again? Why are you doing that? Okay. Hold on. We did not go through the receipts. My sister found them on the fridge. Okay. So they were just put on a magnet on the fridge and my sister saw them. Okay. So we weren't snooping. Okay. You weren't snooping. So I, I, I withdraw that from the bill of indictment. Everything else sticks though. Go apologize to your dad. Say, I'm sorry for what I said when I was 20. If she makes you happy and you're happy, I'm happy for you. And you don't have to hide her pictures from me anymore. Cause that's just silly. Okay. 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 I'll do that. You should do that. I will. It would be be a wonderful world if nobody cheated, if everybody could find complete everything, sexual fulfillment, emotional fulfillment, parental fulfillment within their marriages, and nobody had to look outside them for anything. But there are a lot of good and decent, loving marriages and good, solid families and happy homes for children that rattle on and survive and stumble along because one or the other or both persons in the marriage, both of the adults, the married people, are doing a little something on the side that makes it, again, possible for them to stay married and stay sane. And we always look at the person in your father's position and we say, what a terrible thing for him to have done. Sometimes we should look at the person in your father's position and say, wow, he's a saint. Yeah. Well, and I'm cool with cheating. I don't think that's horrible. It's not the most terrible thing someone can do. What really bothers me most is the openness, but you're right. It's my fault that he's not open about it because nine years ago, I was 
a total bitch to him about it. So why would he want to be open with me about it now? He probably thinks it's the loving thing to do to hide this from you so that you're not disappointed in him or or traumatized by this continuing. So just write him a letter and say, no more games. And I'm sorry that for what I said, and I can't know what's going on in your sex life. And I don't really want to know, but if you're happy, I'm happy and you should be open with me about it. And you have my support. Okay. Good luck. Thank you, Dan. Hello, Dan. I've got a question. I am pro-life. But I do have one question for you. Take it to heart and think about it. If the whole world were to turn gay, I know it can never happen, all right? But that's not the argument. The argument is if. If all the girls started dating girls, all the guys started dating guys, there would be no more children. The world would end in 80 years. So how can it be all right? I've asked this question to a bunch of people. I've pissed off a lot of people. But none of them have ever given me a a satisfactory answer other than it can't happen. I shall now attempt to give you a satisfactory answer to this question. You've conceded the point that the whole world isn't going to turn gay tomorrow or ever. Um, Sometimes people do say that, though. You know, the previous pope, the Dowager Pontiff, Benedict, said that, you know, one of his concerns with legalized gay marriage was that it would lead to the extinction of the species if everyone turned gay, which is really Benedict telling us something about Benedict. But Benedict doesn't believe there's any such thing as a straight person, right? There's just all these people in the world who wish they were gay and would be gay if they could get a gay marriage license, but because they can't, they're just going to settle for heterosexual sex. I don't understand why straight people aren't offended by those arguments that, you know, being gay is a choice, that argument also, because it suggests that heterosexual love and desire uh, and intimacy is something that heterosexuals could take or leave, that heterosexuals aren't particularly passionate about heterosexual passion. They could all just walk away from it tomorrow. Uh, That's not how most heterosexuals that I know experience their heterosexuality. Maybe the occasional Marcus Bachman or Ted Haggard experiences their heterosexuality that way. But the heterosexuals that I have known and loved platonically don't experience it that way. And I assume you, caller, you don't experience your heterosexuality as something that you could just walk away from, that you could just start sucking my dick, right? You have no desire to suck my dick and I have no desire to have my dick sucked by you. And so we're even, right? You're not going to like be gay. You're not going to turn gay. But let's, for sake of argument, and this is what you wanted, let's, uh, let's entertain the, as a thought experiment the possibility that everybody could turn gay and then everybody did. Everybody turns gay tomorrow and then the world would end. Humanity would become extinct in 80 years because nobody would be having children anymore. You're positing there not just that everybody turns gay but that everybody turns stupid. As well, that the day everybody turns gay is also the day that everybody forgets which whole shits babies, right? That gay people left to our own devices would just run around fucking butts and eating pussy and wondering where the babies are. And these are the same gay people who many of whom are becoming parents today through surrogacy and IVF treatments. Those same gay people who are having their own biological children through surrogacy, IVF treatment, sperm donation, those same gays and lesbians 
the day after everybody became gay or lesbian, would just forget. Again, forget which whole shit's babies. We'd all be standing around waiting for triplets to fall out of our asses, wondering what the problem was. That there was some kind of gay neutron bomb that some gay terrorist set off that turned everybody gay tomorrow. Every once in a while, when we got a sense that there were too few children rattling around, we would take one for the team and have some of that opposite sex sex under duress just to make a baby or jack off into a turkey baster and jam it into a lesbian and make a baby. So I, I hope this satisfies you, this answer, because I really feel like, you know, if we can accept uh, as a premise that everybody turned gay tomorrow, we're not going to swallow big fat loads of cum and then wonder why we're not coughing up babies. We're not going to fuck butts and stand there behind them nine months later waiting for the babies to fall out. We will, in this all-gay future, continue to introduce ejaculate into the vaginal canal, if not for pleasure, then for just reproductive purposes, which gays and lesbians who are starting their own families all over the country, all over the world, are already doing. We are proving that we can already do this. But thank you for your misplaced concern for the future of humanity. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by me, Undies. And I'm here to tell you as your personal sex advisor that uh, and sometimes underwear fan that underpants are important. You want to put a little thought into this? The underpants you can order from me, Undies, are super comfortable. I don't know how they do it. I'm wearing a pair right now. They sent us a box with uh, different styles and colors. And the magic for me is the way they feel. They're really soft and really comfortable and really well made. And then, as an added bonus, there's the way they look. And you'll have to take my word for this. They look devastating on Terry. You could argue, of course, if you've been to Terry's Instagram feed, that everything looks devastating on Terry. Terry has a huge underwear collection. Basically, if you can wear it, he has a huge collection of it. He has a huge underwear collection. And since the MeUndies box arrived, he's been wearing the MeUndies pretty much exclusively. And I can't think of a better endorsement than that. There are styles for men and women. They look and feel great. And remember what I said at the beginning, underpants are important. They are, particularly that first time you drop trow. Maybe you can get lazy about underpants when you're 30, 40 years into a marriage. You can wear whatever. But that first night when you drop your trousers, you're going to want to have some decent-looking underpants on because that says, I care. Best of all, you can try these underpants out, and if you are not satisfied with your first pair, you get to keep it for free. This is a no-risk trial. Literally, you can keep that first pair for free if you don't love it. Go to meundies.com slash savage and get 20% off your first order. You'll even get free shipping in the United States and Canada. That's meundies.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I'm the tech savvy at rescue. I'm calling regarding all the people that I hear calling about being in an open relationship and not being able to prove to potential partners that they are allowed to fuck other people. Um, And I think that an easy solution to that would be to just have their significant other record a short little video saying, hi, I'm so-and-so's girlfriend or spouse and we're in an open relationship. And then they could just either keep that on their phone or if they have kids and they don't want their kids going through their phone and seeing that video, they could just keep it 
in a folder in their email that's easily accessible, and even maybe a picture of them together at their wedding or whatever. It's an elegant solution to the problem of how do you verify that the person sitting in front of you who's saying that they have an open relationship, who happens to be wearing a wedding ring, actually has an open relationship. Oh, they could just pull up this videotape on their phone of their spouse saying that it's okay for you to fuck my husband or fuck my wife. We are in an open relationship. One problem. How do you then verify that the video you've just watched is actually a video of their spouse and not a video created for them by a fuck buddy or a friend or an actor? You know, Photoshop is a thing that actually exists. And the actor you hired to play the wife in the video you're going to show people on business trips or play the husband in the video you're going to show people on business trips could also be persuaded for cash money to put on a wedding dress and stand next to you in a tuxedo for five seconds to take a photograph or to have their face photoshopped into your wedding photos. It all comes back down to trust, right? And someone untrustworthy can lie to your face. Someone untrustworthy can show you a video that's bullshit. Uh, you have to use your best judgment in the moment. Perhaps with the video, you have a little more information uh, that you can weigh in the balance as you're making that judgment call. But I don't think it's a foolproof measure. We want to thank our sponsor, Smart Mouth Mouthwash. Smart Mouth chose our show to advertise on because they know that we are committed to getting our listeners laid. And getting laid usually starts with a ton of kissing, and you don't want bad breath. Fortunately, Smart Mouth Mouthwash blocks bad breath for a full 12 hours, so you're ready to go whenever. And Smart Mouth can even prevent morning breath when you rinse at night, just in case you're waking up next to someone. Most other mouthwashes only last an hour or so, but Smart Mouth can go all day and all night. Just mix two solutions before rinsing twice a day to activate powerful bad breath blockers. That's the secret to the longest-lasting fresh breath out there. Don't get breath blocked. Get Smart Mouth and get fresh with 12 hours of fresh, clean breath. Find Smart Mouth activated mouthwash in the shiny green bottles at CVS Pharmacy or anywhere you shop or at smartmouth.com. Hey, Dan, I'm a 42-year-old pansexual polyamorous man living in North America. All my sexual adult life, I've just accepted I'm not the kind of guy that comes through fucking. Except on a handful of occasions, I've always finished myself off. Um, now, I don't bear back, so this is all about sex with a condom. So, I never thought it was much of a deal. On the contrary, it's been sort of an asset to be able to bring my partners to orgasm. But there's this very cute, sweet, GGG guy I've been dating for about 10 months. And he really wants me to come while I fuck him. He's hot, he's skillful, he's patient, but it hasn't happened. We've tried long foreplay, lubing up my cock, lubing up the condom, using thin condoms, ripped condoms, but I always outlast this guy. Now, we're having amazing sex, but I would just love to do this for him at some point. The other thing is that, though I agree with you that the vast majority of guys can't tell the difference between fucking with a rubber or without one, I'm one of those rare guys that do. I can say that because on the few occasions the condom has broken, I felt an immediate radical change of sensitivity, and it feels like I could come any moment. This is not a trick to suggest that guys in general do feel less with the condom on. This is not about me looking for someone to tell me that barebacking is okay. I have a number of partners, and I really want to keep everybody safe. This is about me not knowing what else to do to give this satisfaction to this guy. So what else can I do? Are there extra uber mega thin condoms not usually sold to the public or lube that makes you come sooner? I'm not desperate, but I really, really, really like this guy. And I honestly want to make him happy at least once by reaching orgasm by fucking him. 
Joining me by phone from Paris, France, talk about the glamour, is Laura Anderson, associate editor for Slate, where she writes about food and culture mostly. She recently reported a long-form feature, fascinating piece called Why Don't We Have a Better Condom? And I thought she would be an excellent guest expert to tackle this question. Hey, uh, Laura, thank you for letting us interrupt your vacation in glamorous Paris, France. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you. So uh, this guy's problem sounds pretty much latex condom related. When he wears a latex condom, he can go forever and that hasn't been a problem for him. And he typically pulls out and finishes. But now there's this new man in his life. Uh, One of the men in his life is a new man. And he wants to be able to come inside this guy. And that guy really wants it. But he can't get there with a latex condom. You looked into... All the condom options that are out there, what we know about condoms, what we know about latex condoms and other alternatives. What's your expert recommendation for this guy? What should he try? Well, I'll start out by saying, you know, I'm not a doctor. No one should be coming to me for medical advice. But listening to this guy's question, I, I have to say that he sounds like he might be a good candidate for lambskin condoms, um, which are... A condom that most people don't use, some people don't even know they really still exist um, or that they're still manufactured, but they're very strong. They uh, allow for a lot of uh, sensitivity. Um, Guys who switch from latex to lambskin often notice just a world of difference in terms of sensation. And they also, and this was the surprising thing that I turned up in my research for this article, they do a pretty good job of protecting against most STIs. They don't seem to protect very well against uh, some smaller, the smaller infective particles, which includes viruses like uh, hepatitis B. Well, HIV. So with HIV, the, the studies that have actually tested lambskin condoms with solutions that contained HIV showed that the vast majority of them did not leak HIV. Mm-hmm. And these were condoms that were being stressed under pretty, you know, vigorous conditions. Like one of my favorite uh, types of studies that I describe in the article is these people put a, lam- a condom over a vibrator and then lowered the vibrator vibrating into a beaker for half an hour with the solution in the condom to see if it would leak under those conditions. So like that would be the same as like if you were inside your partner for half an hour after you come uh, while vibrating, you know, at the pace of a vibrator, which is like obviously not realistic. And so they were trying to sort of like stress the condoms as much as possible to see if anything could get through. And under most of these conditions, under most of these tests, uh, HIV didn't leak. Smaller particles did leak, but HIV didn't leak. So why do lamb, you know, I remember when condoms came online during the the worst years, the height, the, the ramp up to into the HIV epidemic slash crisis and lambskin condoms had a really bad rap. And the word Mm -hmm. on the street was they wouldn't protect you from HIV, that they were porous, that the virus could pass through the condom and you were supposed to use latex condoms. And Mm -hmm. reading your piece, I learned much to my fury at certain points that these lambskin condoms really got a bum rap, that they were much more effective around HIV prevention than we were led to believe by the FDA? By who? Yeah, by um, by the FDA. The FDA was responsible for implementing labeling on latex condoms that states that they don't protect against STIs, which is certainly not true. They definitely at least protect against some STIs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also there was just there was a culture of fear at the time that is hard to imagine today that I know you can speak to firsthand more than I can. Um, that just meant that like no one wanted to take a risk. I remember reading an article from 
the early 90s where a, a public health expert said something like, if there's any doubt whatsoever about the effectiveness of lambskin condoms, then we should not recommend them. And reading that today, I think, well, any doubt? I mean, with any kind of protection, you're going to be taking a risk. With latex condoms, you take the risk that it's going to slip off or, or break. break. I mean, that was yeah. that was how uh, uh, numerous friends of mine got infected during the, mm-hmm. the, the, the worst years of it, right? Because a condom would break and, yeah. uh, and the break would not be noticed or the break would happen uh, after ejaculation right. and, and they would get infected. And, you know, as you unpack in the piece and, and as I already knew – uh, condoms have never been tested for their effectiveness or, or safety, latex condoms, for use during anal intercourse and, of course, during the uh, AIDS epidemic. And even now, uh, the most effective route of HIV transmission, the most the riskiest sex is anal intercourse. And they were throwing latex condoms into the gay community saying, use these for anal sex. And what we know, you know, didn't know, nobody told us, but your piece unpacks. And they knew then latex condoms, much higher risk for breakage, which was mm-hmm. – a huge contributor to uh, HIV infection rates and lambskin condoms, much stronger, much less likely to break and yeah. not as permeable uh, or, you know, the, the HIV virus couldn't pass through them as we were told. Right. How, how maddening is that? I think of, I can literally like start rattling off the names of dead fucking friends who died because condom latex condoms they were using broke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's this enormous irony that, You know, the reason that the FDA and that the public health establishment in general became interested in condoms was because of HIV. And yet they've gone for basically 30 years without ever directly discussing or addressing the the main sex act by which HIV is spread. Um, You know, which means that, like you said, latex condoms have never been really officially approved or very, you know, very much clinically tested for uh, for effectiveness during anal sex. Okay, let's let's. Let's circle back quickly to the to this guy's question. If he, you know, caller, if you know yourself to be STI free, if you're HIV negative, if uh, even though you, you have multiple partners, it sounds like you're pretty religious about safety and condom use, and good for you. Um, if you know yourself to be HIV negative, uh, or if you're HIV positive and you are um, uh, in treatment and on the drug cocktail and you have an undetectable viral load. I would say, you know, I'm going to second uh, Laura that the lambskin condom, particularly in combo with Truveda, if the guy that you're wanting to treat to you coming in his ass is on Truveda, that that the that that presents really low to no risk combining mm-hmm. late lambskin with uh, Truveda in particular, mm-hmm. and, and that would be a very safe route. And if he's on Truveda and you are uh, STI free and you're willing to take a risk for him, you could even go condom free Mm -hmm. and that could be you know if you are if you have an undetectable viral load or you're hiv negative and you're sure of it and he's on truveda that there are a lot of people out there in the world particularly hiv prevention education organizations in europe which tend to be saner than ours in america would describe that as safe sex um absolutely and the other thing that i would add is that the caller mentioned that he's broken condoms in the past and you know in clinical trials uh, people who break condoms well condom breakage tends to be clustered there are couples who will like repeatedly break condoms because they just like the way that their bodies are shaped or the way that they use lubrication or the positions that they use are just sort of more prone to breaking condoms so if you're someone who's broken condoms in the past that might just mean that you are someone who is not 
you know, whose body is sort of more prone to breaking latex condoms, which again might mean that you would have better luck with a different kind of condom. Okay, before we, I, I don't want to keep you from your vacation for too long, <laughs> uh, but before we let you go, I really, I, I would like you to briefly give us an answer to the, you know, the question posed by the title of your piece, if it's not, you know, spoiler alert material. Oh, but no. Why don't we have a better condom? Well, it's it's complicated. I, I, I would say, I guess, to, to sum it up, that there the the fear uh, that both spurred the FDA to get interested in making sure that condoms were safe in the first place, the fear of HIV starting in the early eighties. Um, it also made people a lot more conservative than maybe they should have been about condom effectiveness. Um, so what that means is that, I mean, really, so what, what other condom options are there out there? The um, there's condom. Lambskin, right. There's a female condom, which I, I don't actually discuss in my article, mostly just because I think of it as being kind of a different animal. Um, and I'm not even sure this is sort of getting off on a tangent. I'm not really sure if calling it a condom is, is was a great branding move because it's just like such a very different kind of protection the well, way it's used but anyway everybody hates oh, no, everybody hates my term for it which is the trash can liner <laughs> right but it's kind of, of it's kind of a condom that the orifice that you're fucking wears for you i mean mm-hmm. it does sort of resemble a large and baggy condom and when i say trash can liner i'm not describing the vaginal canal as a trash can i'm describing the anus also as a trash you know people sometimes freak out and think that there's something gynophobic about me saying trash can mm-hmm. liner because it's called a female condom but the female condom is used for uh, anal intercourse and vaginal intercourse both by men and women so just a little right. caveat there i'm not uh, insulting women in a way that i'm not also insulting gay men but um, please go on the other kinds um, so, oh yeah, the other kind that is actually kind of actually different from latex is polyurethane, which when it came out in the nineties was known as the plastic condom. And it is a material that's more plastic than latex. It doesn't stretch as much, but it is thinner. And, uh, it's, I mean, that's actually the material that female condoms are made of today. So if you've used a female condom, then you know what polyurethane is like. And it's, so it's thinner than latex and it transmits heat a lot more, uh, efficiently than latex does. And that can be, uh, a big factor in terms of sensation. Um, it does break at slightly higher rates than latex. And again, that's just another, uh, you know, risk factor that you have to take into consideration when you're thinking about which kind of condom you want to use, you know, are you comfortable with something that might break at a slightly higher rate than latex? Um, but the, the sort of like big picture reasons for why, you know, polyurethane never caught on, uh, which are the same as kind of the big picture reasons why lambskin never really caught on and why it's been saddled with this label that basically discourages everyone from using them, is that the FDA, I think, didn't want to be seen as endorsing a condom that might not be as safe as latex, even though the main problem with latex condoms has always been that people don't use them. Like people just do not use latex condoms consistently. The statistics are totally just like kind of shocking and horrible, as I'm sure you know, just like the vast majority of people who use condoms at all do not use them consistently. And that's really the the way that you protect yourself is by using condoms consistently. So uh, I would say, you know, from my opinion, it seems misguided to tell people that they can only use latex and that latex is the safest or and that like you're basically not getting protection from Lanskin, which is what I always believed. I always believed that Lanskin was just like not effective at all before I started doing research for this article. But the truth is like any kind of barrier that you use is going to keep you safer than no barrier at all. And I think it would be better to, uh, you know, talk about, give people options, make people feel like they had a choice other than either use a latex condom or 
use no condom. And now I feel like I'm sort of rambling. Okay, but, um, so one last question. If you're going to use a lambskin condom and the person you're about to fuck is a vegan, do you have to tell them? <laughs> oh, God, that's a totally different ethical <laughs> question. This is, a, this is a question for the ethicists, I think. Um, we'll pass it on to them. <laughs> I should say, actually, I'm, I'm a vegetarian and... Um, while I was reporting this story, I did use a lambskin condom. I might feel weird if I use them actually just like totally consistently, but I don't know. I feel like everyone has to make their own decision about that. Laura Anderson, associate editor for Slate, where she usually writes about food and culture, which I'm sure is what you're doing there in Paris, digging up uh, foods and cultures to write about. She just uh, reported and Slate just posted a long form feature called Why Don't We Have a Better Condom? I thought I knew because I've been paying attention for decades. I thought I knew everything there was to know about condoms. And I learned so much reading that piece. Laura, thank you for digging into it and for writing it. And I encourage everybody who can hear the sound of my voice to get online and read it right away. Thanks, Laura. Thank you so much. Sometimes we have to record a whole bunch of Savage Lovecasts all at once because I have to travel for work. And so we will bust out an epic show-a-thon. We'll do two or three in a day. And on days like that, everyone gets hungry and everyone gets cranky. And there's nothing like being locked in a sweaty, small, airless studio with a bunch of tech-savvy at-risk youth that makes it less pleasant than hungry crankiness, which is why we keep boxes and bags of Nature Box snacks around to make everything and everyone better. With over 100 nutritionist-approved snacks, Nature Box has something for everyone, all with zero artificial flavors, colors, and sweeteners, zero grams of trans fats, no high-fructose corn syrups, no ground glass, no tax, no nuclear waste, no artificial nonsense. Nancy likes the dark cocoa almonds. Also, she likes the honey Dijon pretzels. I am stuffing my face right now with pistachio power clusters because I actually believe they make me more powerful. They are effing delicious. Uh, And if they make me nothing else, they make me not so hangry. So now I am in the position where I can give you the chance to try NatureBox for free with a trial box featuring five of their most popular snacks. And you are not going to say no to free snacks, are you? You do not have that in you. You probably wish you had some snacks there with you right now. If you are going to say no to a box of free snacks, I would like to know what the fuck is wrong with you. Start your free trial right now by going to naturebox.com slash savage. You know you're going to snack. Get smart about it with NatureBox. Go to naturebox.com slash savage to get that free trial box Packed with delicious snacks. Do it now. Hey, Dan. I'm a 28-year-old poly straight guy. I've been in an open relationship for six years. I've been seeing a girl recently, and it's been great. She was okay with me having a girlfriend and all that. And we got really close. We were having unprotected sex and talked about it being fine for us to see other people as long as we told each other about it and used protection. So the other night I'm at her house and she's asleep. I'm on her laptop and she'd mentioned she'd been watching porn earlier. So I was curious and I scroll through it uh, to try to find the porn. And instead I see uh, like a million hits on a sugar daddy website. And I got this really sinking feeling like she was hiding something potentially dangerous to me. So I looked through the messages on her computer, which I had no intention of doing before that point and found out she'd been getting paid to have sex with guys at least four of them, from what I could see. Uh, Sometimes she used protection, sometimes she didn't. So I was devastated. I confronted her about it, uh, asked her if she was a sex worker. She 
started lying about the number of guys and how often it had gone on and only admitted things as I presented information that conflicted with her account of things. So I told her I needed time to process what I'd just been through, time alone, and I didn't think there was anything morally wrong with sex work or prostitution, but I loved her and I'd come back and, and tell her what I decided, but I was just too hurt from the betrayal. And that's where things start getting weird. I did ultimately decide that I could forgive her, give her another chance, because I do love her. I think she loves me, but she said she was really upset at the way I reacted, that it hurt her. She said what she did isn't prostitution or sex work, and she understands why I'm hurt, but she's hurt too because I violated her privacy. Like, those two acts in these circumstances were equivalent. Her friends are telling her she's done nothing wrong, that I'm the one who has by snooping. I tried asking a, a close friend of hers for some perspective on these issues, and he immediately got pissy and told me to never contact him about her again. She also got set, upset that I told my girlfriend about everything, saying she felt like she was on display and being judged. So I've, I've tried every step of the way to handle this responsibly and to make sound decisions, but this has been so weird. Uh, I'm in some funhouse version of reality. So I, I, I'm just... I guess my questions are... Is snooping absolutely never justified in the face of evidence of a threat to me? Is it remotely comparable to the level of betrayal involved in exposing someone to the risk of disease against their will? Is there any circumstance in which letting men pay you to have sex with them is not sex work or prostitution? I feel like if I, if I hadn't looked, I would have been taking a huge risk for myself and my girlfriend, and there's no telling if I ever found out. I feel like I've been handling things as best as anyone could be expected to. I don't understand why you're working so hard to get back into this woman's good graces, bedroom, pants, panties. Uh, what you discovered that she was lying to you about how she was conducting herself with other partners, uh, setting aside the whole sex work issue slash non-issue, she was having – apparently these emails that you read were very, very detailed. She was having unprotected intercourse with other men after telling you that she would – if she had sex with other guys, always use protection to protect you, to protect your partner. And she lied to you about that. And you found that evidence and you should pull the plug and run screaming. You should thank her for her time and not see her ever again. Um, you certainly shouldn't hang out so that she and her friends can gaslight you about what's worse. Snooping, which almost everybody does. Oh, it's, it's wrong and nobody should snoop. It's a violation of someone's privacy, blah, blah, blah. But almost everybody does it. And sometimes when you do it, you discover something that kind of retroactively justifies the snooping, bestows a kind of retroactive okie-dokie on the snooping. Through snooping, you discovered that you were at risk, your partner was at risk, and that validates the snooping, in my opinion. So when you put these two betrayals on the scales, what she was doing, what you did, her betrayal, her lies so far outweigh yours that there should be no question of you pulling the plug on this relationship. No question on pulling your pants up, putting your dick away and backing slowly out of the room and out of her life. Don't call her friends asking them what they think or asking them to intercede on your behalf. Just be done and be gone. There are 3.5 billion other women on the face of the planet. Go fuck some of them. Hi, Dan. Uh, I just wanted to follow up with the girl who had the question about the IUD. I'm not going to lie. My boyfriend felt it for the first two weeks. They were really nervous. I wasn't 
I really didn't want hormones, but he didn't like how it felt. After two weeks, he couldn't feel a thing. Hi, Dan. This is for the caller who is asking about sensitivity with IUD string. Um, my OBGYN told me that if you ask any man if they can feel something with the head of their penis, they will say yes. So the strategy is to not say anything, and then if he says he can feel something, they can go in and trim it for you. And I have to say, we have not had any problems. My boyfriend has not noticed at all. Hi, Dan. I'm calling about episode 441 and the caller who lost his job during the recession and who has now found full-time employment, but his partner still expects him to shoulder all of the domestic responsibilities. I thought your advice to him was spot on. That guy's boyfriend was a dick, but I was so surprised that you did not draw the parallel between his situation and the millions of women in this country who have quit their jobs to take care of the kids and then go back to work and their husbands still expect them to do all the work around the house. And if it weren't for being financially dependent on them and the sexism they face in the workforce, I would say your advice to the caller would apply to them too, that they should leave their husbands because they're assholes. And we're going to leave it there. But quickly before we go, last week I asked everybody out there who could to make a small donation to Maine Family Planning, reproductive uh, health organization in Maine that was under attack by religious anti-choice extremists. Uh, like I said, they were the religious extremists were celebrating the fact that uh, they had only raised uh, half of their $10,000 goal for this big annual fundraiser, only $5,000. When I talked about it on the podcast, they were close to closing that gap, close to raising 10000 Since last week, since you guys poured uh, onto Maine Family Planning's website and started making donations, they have now tripled their goal. They are at almost $30,000. Uh, they're going to get there. And I just want to thank everybody and Maine Family Planning, everybody who works there wants to thank all of you Lovecast listeners who donated. Um, they got notes and messages from all over the country from people who are donating and so many notes and so many messages from people who heard about them on the Lovecast. So I want to thank all of you who uh, made a donation. So the anti-choice religious extremist haters who were doing a happy dance after Main family planning looked like it wasn't going to meet their 10,000 goal, are now going to have to do a big sad dance after main family planning tripled that goal. And you guys did that. Thank you. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number at the Savage Lovecast. If you want to record a question or comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. The Hump Tour is coming to Chicago, to Cleveland, and Seattle. Uh, for information about Hump, the Pacific Northwest's biggest, best, and only amateur porn film festival where you can catch Hump, where you can see it, and also for information about creating and submitting films for Hump, go to humptour.com. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanceSavage. Follow Diana Adams on Twitter at Diana Adams Esquire. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and Nancy and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of The Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.